you want cash money, you want influence. If you want influence, you want attention. If you want attention, you want to be so good they call you a fame. That's what we're all trying to do, right? Is be our authentic self and show how we are the choice and not a choice and stand out among a very saturated crowd, particularly in the legal vertical. There's just a sea of competitors. In order to cultivate desire to work with your law firm and only your law firm, you have some beliefs that you need to not just implant, but also alter. Welcome to Personal Injury Mastermind. I'm your host, Chris Stryer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io, the elite legal marketing agency. Each week, you get insights and wisdom from some of the best in the industry. On these special Toolkit Tuesdays, we dive deep into conversations with the leading vendors in the legal sphere. The masterminds behind the technologies, services, and strategies that help law firms not just survive, but thrive in today's competitive landscape. Now, this isn't about selling you the latest software or getting kickbacks from affiliate links. It's about bringing you the best so you can be the best for your firm, for your staff, for your clients, and for you. This is Toolkit Tuesday on PIM, your weekly guide to staying sharp in the legal world. Let's get started. You may be an expert, but are you an authority? What I mean is, do people know you're the expert? When they have a problem that relates to your firm, are you the first one they think of? Are you the only one they think of? Writing a book that delivers exceptional value is a great way to earn authority. Generic advice pieces with titles like Personal Injury 101 won't make you an automatic top of mind choice. In the book writing game, the MVP is the authority book. This special kind of book teaches the reader everything they need to know to help themselves. But the key is, with ungoogleable and nowadays, unchat GPT-able information. And that part is key. And it gives the book inherent functional value to readers who can become clients. The trick is to write a book so compelling that halfway through, the reader wants to work with you and only you. My guest today can help you do just that. Joshua Lysak has ghostwritten nearly 85 books across multiple industries with extensive experience helping attorneys. What makes Joshua different is his calculated approach to crafting the perfect book for your business goals. It's not just a series of interview questions with a what you say is what you get manuscript. Today, Joshua breaks down his three-phase system that consistently builds authority and will help you make your firm the first choice and the only choice. Here's Joshua Lysak on how he got into ghostwriting. It began completely by accident, Chris. <laughs> my lifelong ambition, of course, when I say lifelong, I refer to myself as a teenager at that time. As a youngster, my lifelong ambition was to write novels professionally for a living. And wouldn't you know it, but being homeschooled, there's a certain set of expectations for homeschoolers. And so the fact that I had a two book independent publishing deal for two novels at age 20 was uh, meeting expectations, you might say. But that's when something interesting happened. So Chris, I'm out signing my novels. I'm taking selfies with fans on flip phones. You know, back when you had to turn the phone around and it would come all blurry and smudged because you couldn't actually, what you see is what you get. Selfies in those days, something interesting happened. Two of my readers who also happened to be freelance writing clients I had, little freelance side hustle at that time, two of my readers and clients reached out to me and they both said the same thing. Joshua, I've wanted to write a book longer than you've even been alive. Can you help me out here? And I said, okay, fine, sure, I'll help you with your book. And I've been saying, okay, fine, sure, ever since. And I'm currently finishing up my 81st, 82nd, 83rd ghostwritten full-length nonfiction general trade books. That's amazing. And I, I think there's so much value in it. You know, I've got a book, you have your best-selling book. Why should business owners consider writing a book? 
So I've ghostwritten books for personal injury attorneys, but also those who are in contract law, intellectual property law, marriage and family law, and those also who have done legal services marketing. And I'll tell you what they tell me. So the reason that they want to write books, or rather the reason they want to have written books is for the following. And then they say some version of this. They say, Joshua, I may be an expert, but I'm not an authority if I don't have a book. I may be an expert, but I'm not an authority if I don't have a book. And the context of that is the stiff competition that they're going up against. Often they do not have the oldest law firm. They do not have the most billboards in their area. They may have solid casework that they've done, but they're not exactly, in many cases, celebrity status. They're not going on Fox or uh, MSNBC to give their opinion on something. They're not necessarily in all the magazines. But when they look at those who are in the magazines, who are on television, who are getting five and six figure speaking fees, what do they all have in common? They all have books. And so what they've realized is that in order to go from being the go-to referral partner of their network to go big, they need a book. But not just any book, they need what we now call an authority book. And the authority book is one which teaches step-by-step with no step skipped everything your potential clients need to know or even do in order to, let's say, help themselves as much as possible during this, educate themselves as much as possible. But the key is with ungoogleable and nowadays unchat GPT-able information. And that part is key. And it gives the book inherent functional value to readers who can become clients. So smart. I think a lot of the audience listening understands like maybe some of the value and and how it brings authority to themselves, but they don't really know the exact process. It seems kind of overwhelming in many cases and, and just the thought of writing a book. So with the assistant, where does a ghostwriter fit in? How do they help facilitate this? And how does that speed up the process in terms of getting your book published? So the reason people work with me as opposed to like an agency or to a transcription and self-publishing service where like they interview you and then they take the transcript and, and call it chapters and then boom, you got yourself a book. The reason people want to work with me is because I am not a what you say is what you get type of a type of a writer. The very first part of my process is actually market research. What are the keywords and categories? that have high demand, but low quality meeting that demand. And it it often is very specific. I do not like these broad, basic type of simpleton books, like Fundamentals of Personal Injury Law. Terrible, terrible book idea. Absolutely terrible book idea. What is much wiser is a mashup between your unique set of experiences, what uh, has been labeled like a, a talent stack, what else you know and understand besides your work in, let's say, personal injury law, what have your unique experiences taught you that your clients glean value from? And then look at this sort of Venn diagram overlap between what the market is saying they want and what you are uniquely able to provide. And that's the book. And so what that means is most often when authors come to me with a book idea, they end up realizing it's the wrong book idea. So they end up changing not just the title and subtitle, but the entire premise of the book, because they realize they have a lot more to offer than they were even thinking they did. And so it was wise, rather than to just hurry up and get the book done, but to work with someone who understands the industry and does both ghost writing of books, but we also do ghost publishing. And that's where we continue the process and turn a manuscript 
into the hardcover, of course, the audiobook, softcover, paperback, you know, in an ebook, and make it available from all the major retailers, even in select bookstores if they'd like, uh, and, and available in over 100 countries, and do the whole launch. But it's it's a boutique experience rather than, let's say, an assembly line uh, sort of an experience for for most authors. is a very high touch. So. We don't have the most scalable business, but I'm I'm okay with that because you can't scale good ghostwriting, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, and you said you said your how many books have you written? Eighty. I will soon be eighty-three. Eighty. Yes. So so let's kind of segue to that failed assembly line. Let's talk about the failed assembly line, aka Scribe. So fortunately, I got my first book. It's over my shoulder here through the finish line and I got it published. But my second book was tied up and who knows what happened with this Article 9 sale, this bankruptcy, all this debt, whatever's going on with Scribe. And I'm sure I'm not the only one listening that had a Scribe book in the works and is just out there in limbo. So where does someone like myself or the, an audience member that, that was potentially working with them go? Like, what can they do? Yes, yes. So the obvious choice is to just fin it yourself and do it for free, frankly. That, 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 is the, that is the easiest, most obvious choice. That's going to be good enough for some percentage of the population. You're going to learn the basics of self-publishing. There's free and low-cost tutorials on YouTube. But that's not exactly who my clientele is. I had a lot of people who've talked to other writers, other publishers over the years. And the value that they continually find from choosing me is the shaping of the idea, is the initial analysis of what they want to write about, and maybe even a work in progress that they have, and making specific recommendations around what works to keep, what doesn't work and change, and what is going to replace it to make it work even better for their specific objectives for their business. And usually it's around client acquisition, customer acquisition, increasing the number of sales qualified leads, increasing the speed of, acqu of acquiring sales qualified leads, and ensuring that the book has the right message for the right place in the customer journey. So of course, I would be glad to chat with anybody who has a book in limbo for any reason, or even if it's a manuscript that they've started. But we're not going to just, okay, full speed ahead and finish it, because it's possible you are working on the wrong book. It's possible you are writing the wrong book. And by the wrong book, I mean, it's one that maybe it has some interesting stories and anecdotes and advice, but it is not aligned with proper placement inside of your your customer journey, your client journey, your, even your funnel, you might say. And it may not have inherent value. It might just, let's say, have a, a head to torso picture of you with personal injury fundamentals 101. <laughs> Terrible idea. That is an ego book. I don't like to work with particularly egotistical people who are, let's say, unwilling to take a professional's advice. And that's a certain percentage of, of people in any given profession. And I'm okay with that because I produce 99th percentile books. I'm also a trained hypnotist and I have some experience working professionally in that regard. Hypnosis is the art of subconscious belief change. And in order to cultivate desire to work with your law firm and only your law firm, you have some beliefs that you need to not just implant, but also alter. 
And so a book ought to be a long-form self-hypnosis script that alters the reader's beliefs and changes their behavior. And one of those behaviors is deciding I need to work with you and your firm rather than anybody else, even if everybody else maybe has more cases, more let's say, a higher dollar amounts that they say that they've been able to recover on behalf of their clients, uh, number of lawsuits, all the, all the usual metrics. If you're not number one in every single one of those, but you want to have your own edge, your unique uh, competitive advantage, you have to write the right book. Amazing, amazing. So it's nice to have an outlet uh, with, with a professional like yourself that's really proven this. So you've written, like you said, 80 plus books, including an international Amazon bestseller, which just happens to be your latest book. It's uh, so good. They call you a fake command attention, monetize your talent stack and become the uncontested authority in your niche. It's right over your right shoulder. If individuals are watching this on YouTube, you know, in this book, let, let's get into that talent stack. Attorneys have a ton of knowledge about ta talent and 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 what do you mean? Like what what are you covering as it relates to the talent stack? So the term talent stack was originally developed by the creator of the Dilbert common strip, uh, common strip who, who's a client of mine. Scott Adams is his name, and he he's a a customer of the ghost publishing experience that I've I've talked about. The idea of this so good they call you a fake business. There's there's two main thrusts here. The first one is that people have been asking me to write my own nonfiction book for years now, years now, probably right around book 40 or 50. Dude, you should be writing your own books. You need to be the one who's writing nonfiction books, not for every last CEO of the you know, Inc. 5000 or, or Fortune 500. And I was like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. So I have a few thousand more books I need to write myself first, <laughs> perhaps. Anyway, I realized I could not write the most obvious book. The obvious book for a ghostwriter to write is the book that every ghostwriter writes. Consider the books that Scribe Media has produced for themselves. Consider the books that every self-publisher and professional book writer has released. What do they all talk about? How to write and publish your book. And my, from my perspective, that is a, a bad idea. That's a bad idea. It's a self-serving one. So perhaps it's useful in that regard. It does not have standalone value. It does not have a shelf life of 20 plus years. It is a free lead magnet that you're kind of paying for. So it doesn't have inherent value in and of itself. I prefer to produce books that are in that 99th percentile of persuasion. And so I realized I had to go further than say, Joshua Lysak's guide to writing books, because that would be terrible. So I realized, what is the real value that I offer authors? Well, I've just described it. It's what happens before you decide to write a book. It's the documentation of your unique set of experiences, skills, credentials, Yes, your, your talents that you have, that you have demonstrated, you can use to help clients. I realized that the greatness of my work comes before the book itself. And it's not just something writing the book because anybody can write a book. It's the right book. That's the hard part. And then it's also what comes after that. How do you convert readers into clients, readers into customers? How do you take that book and repurpose its content into courses, coaching, consulting? I'll give you an example of this. We have a, um, a couple of family marriage and family attorneys that we've ghostwritten and ghost published books for. And they are limited to the states that they practice in for their legal services, but they offer coaching at 2x their hourly rate. And they get it from readers who say, I'm located on the other side of the world, but my attorney's kind of an idiot or my barrister's kind of an idiot. Maybe you could uh, guide us through this process here a, a little bit, please. Save us some few hundred thousand <laughs> uh, in the long run. And they're happy to consult uh, on that. 
But it's because that they wrote, it's because they wrote the right book. So there's multiple upsells and cross sells. And so that's the, that's the first gist of this book is number one, I realized I couldn't write the obvious book everyone else did. So what's, what's this business about being so good? They call you a fake. Some listeners, viewers might recall a book a little over 10 years ago by Cal Newport called So Good They Can't Ignore You from the Steve Martin quote that's well known. We have reached a new equilibrium in the economy because of the democratization of social via social media and other technologies. Anyone can make it look as though they are unignorable. They can anyone can make it look like they're good or good enough. And it, usually the people who can spend the most on advertising have the appearance of being the best, even if they're not. Even if the person who charges one-tenth their price gets ridiculously better results because that person doesn't know how to self-promote well, because they haven't found a way to maximally monetize their expertise, they're charging 10% of what their competitors are, even if their competitors get much worse results, but have had a couple of huge wins that put them in a documentary, for example. And so I've realized that my own experiences as a ghostwriter and what people say to me maps well onto this book concept. So what do people say to me? I get this all the time. Joshua, there's no way you wrote that many books. That's not, it's literally humanly impossible. You're a fake. I get that a lot. Clients of mine, I'm gonna hold up. This is a cardiologist named Dr. Philip Ovedi. He's performed over 3,000 heart surgeries. He has a private telehealth clinic. He works with clients one-on-one. And when they post their testimonials or their case studies, what happens? Everyone calls him a quack. They say, there's no way that's humanly possible to lose that much weight and improve your numbers that much. You guys are all on TRT, for example. Testosterone replacement therapy. You're on steroids. There's no way you can do this. It's obviously fake. And what happens? You, as the subtitle says, command attention because attention is influence and influence is cash money. So if you want cash money, you want influence. If you want influence, you want attention. And if you want attention, your results must be so bombastic relative to the average. You must look insane. You must look like a fake, a fraud, a cheat, and a scam. And that is how you get attention. Perhaps you might say steal attention away from incumbent competitors who are in the magazines and the documentaries and have all the billboards and are spending multiple seven figures a month on advertising. That's how you win. And that is the message of so good they call you a fake. Well, how, how do you, in fact, produce predictable results with consistency for clients that are at such an elite level? And that's what I've been doing my, for my clients for 12 years is producing books for them that get results that are so good, the general public and perhaps your envious competitors assume they have to be fake. I think that's what we're all trying to do, right? Is be our authentic self and show how we are the choice and not a choice and stand out among a very saturated crowd, particularly in the legal vertical. There's just a sea of competitors. One of the things you said recently on your Instagram is you said, becoming the number one uncontested authority isn't about writing a book readers can put down. It's about writing a book they will put down in the middle of reading to hire you. Yes, I see this quite often for, for clients. It goes without saying that we need the entire book to be good. And I have a structure for writing an authority book that converts readers into clients that is in So Good They Call You a Fake, how to do that. But I have gotten reports going back to 2016. And I've, and by the way, I have maybe about 30 testimonials, including video testimonials of authors who say, not only do I have a ghostwriter, which is almost taboo in the business world, 
to announce that you had a ghostwriter, but then they name their ghostwriter and then they record a half an hour video talking about how important it is to hire that same ghostwriter. And that's me. I get that a lot. And one of the consistent, let's say, anecdotes that I hear is, Joshua, I'm getting customers, new customers, new clients in as few as 15 minutes after their purchase of my book. I'm getting customers within five days. So so the cardiologist, Dr. Philip Ovedia, he got five, let's say in terms of price range, high-end private clients, concierge medical clients, during his book launch, during the first week of his book launch, he got he got five. And then he realized, okay, I need to operationalize and systematize this thing because this is going to be bigger than I ever thought. So it's a good problem to have working with me. Uh, another client located in Europe, one of his, one of my favorite testimonials of his is somebody said to him, I bought your book. I got chapter four. I've seen enough. We need to hire you. And that person has become a, a client and stayed a client for over a year. He wanted this particular client, he wanted to create a course spinoff, but his book has been so successful at, create, at creating clients for him, what's called in marketing demand creation, which is one of the most difficult things to do, by the way, rather than, let's say, attracting the demand that already exists, creating new demand for his services, almost impossibly difficult, but I've cracked the code on how to do that. And it's through an authority book. They go, oh, I had no idea I needed this. I do need this. I'm aware of the problem. I feel the pain of the problem. I realize the cost of an action. I understand that you are uniquely capable of adding value. I understand why nothing else that I've tried has worked. You are the only one for me. And by the way, that last 15 seconds or so there, Chris, that's how you structure the opening chapter of your book. The opening chapter of your book is a sales letter, not just for the book, but for your services. As far as I'm aware, no one else talks about this. I have a background also in direct response copywriting in addition to the ghostwriting hypnosis. So I realize that in terms of a talent stack, hypnosis is advanced persuasion. Ghostwriting is, let's say, the cream of the literary crop in terms of professional writing services because how difficult it is to sound like someone and then make them sound smarter than they could have on their own. And then you've got direct response copywriting, which is the art of showing people a few words and then they say, okay, uh, let me write you a big check in a few minutes after seeing that, which is insanely difficult to do. But my book is called So Good They Call You a Fake for a Reason. So there's a certain percentage of people listening who are saying, BS, BS, there's no way this guy can pull this off. And that proves the point. Amazing, amazing. In relentless pursuit of excellence, you only know you've arrived when you have your haters, right? They're your most valuable marketers. So let's talk a bit about that because you know your book is right for some people, your service is right for some people, but you want it to actually push away the people that it's not right. The tire kickers are, are not your your ideal clients. So, so talk to me about your haters as your most valuable marketers. So we understand in nature that to attract, one must repel from, let's say, the, the basics of the natural world, biology, to physics, to, 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 to understanding of the atomic and subatomic world. That principle that there, there must be an attraction and a repulsion. That, that, that both of those happen simultaneously. So it is in building a successful brand with longevity. Realizing that my book is going to turn away a certain number of people, I understand that I'm going to lean into that and I'm going to, by intent, repel them from me. And so I've gotten negative feedback from people who are opposed to self-promotion. So good to call you fake. I don't want to be called a fake. I already don't get enough leads. <laughs> okay, that person's not my client. That person's not my client. Something else that I've observed is that my one-star reviews and my 
negative, let's say negative feedback from literary critics, what do I do? I screenshot that and I share it. For example, I have a I have a book launch event coming up the weekend of our recording of this uh, interview, and I got a terrible one star review, but it's so bad it's a good review. I've ghostwritten for a couple of CEOs in the reputation management industry, and what we learn from that industry is that customers view one star reviews to see if the bad reviews are in and of themselves bad. Do they speak ill of the person writing the review? And so my very first one-star review on So Good They Call You Fake, it says drivel. It says pure drivel. This guy just Googled a bunch of buzzwords and put them into a book. Laughably bad. That is a good review. Why is it a good review? The reason it's a good review is because there's no commentary on the content whatsoever. There's no commentary on the content whatsoever. And I believe that law firms ought to be excited about the the one-star and two-star reviews that they get on their services, be it on Google Business or be it on another platform. Because number one, you want your people to see the haters and how bad they are, how bad their bad reviews are. You also get the opportunity to reply to them. So if you come across genteel, respectful, and correcting this hater, as the case may be, you come away looking brilliant. You come away looking like a true business professional versus picking up your toys and running away, which is what some, which is what the, the initial feel is, the initial vibe that a lot of people have when they see it once they review. They don't want to lash back out at that person. No, haters are your most valuable marketers. At this book launch event, I'm going to get a big, huge sign. And I'm going to plaster that one-star review on that sign. And everyone who sees my book is going to see that one-star review. It is going to be hilarious. People are going to say, wait a second, why is it a one-star review? What? What's happening? I better go and meet this guy. Understand that haters are your most valuable marketers because they will spread your name like wildfire to an extent you could not have on your own. Something else you learn in reputation management is that critics are more likely to be word of mouth marketers than are fans, even super fans. And if, again, if you want cash money, you want influence. If you want influence, you want attention. If you want attention, you want to be so good they call you a fake. So good they leave you a one-star review. So good they say you are a fraud. So good they call you a quack in Dr. Avedia's case. So good they say your license should be suspended. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, these, these sorts of outcomes are, are wonderful. They're absolutely wonderful. What they also enable you to do is to become fearless because nothing anyone says about you is bad. Whenever someone criticizes me, and this happens quite often on social media and even in my unbox, what do I do? I share it with the title of the book. So for example, uh, some somebody yesterday called me a hellspawn. So what did I do? I quote tweeted that person's tweet and I said, so good they call you a hellspawn. Amazing. And what do I also do? I tweet a link to the book. So this is what happens. People will buy the book because of my haters. My haters are so bad, they create book sales. And they can, and, and you can do the same for you and your firm. Leverage your negative attention to increase your leads and also your sales. It makes me think of, in terms of the negative PR flipping it, Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street, negative article and he turns it into a positive and all this attention and it garnered, at least from the movie, I haven't read his actual book or looked into his story. But uh, Joshua, this has been amazing. And your book, So Good They Call You a Fake, dropped on June 15th. The link's gonna be in the show notes. You know, what's next for you and how can our listeners get in touch with you to learn more? Yes, so I'm very simply located at lysecghostwriting.com, L-I-S-E-C, lysecghostwriting.com. We have 
a rundown on the, the usual services that we provide, particularly the ghost publishing. A lot of people are curious about, about that and how that works because you don't want a Word document. You need a book that drives your business for you. And a Word document can't do that. The fastest way to learn more about these, this analysis and recommendations I talked about. I know a lot of you listening. You're on Twitter. You're on LinkedIn. I'm there at Joshua Lysik. You'll find me. Reach out. Let's touch base. Let's let's talk. So because I'm a boutique concierge experience, not an assembly line, I don't have to work with everyone. And that means I can tell them the truth about their book project. I don't have to say, yes, I'll take your money. <laughs> Look at this crappy book idea. I have no idea. I don't have to do that. I can I can be straightforward. Thanks so much to Joshua for sharing his insights on book writing for gaining authority and ghostwriting. The authority book can be thought of in three phases. Here they are again. Phase one, market research. You got to know who you're writing for and what their pain points are. What keywords have high demand, but are really low quality. Look for opportunities there. That will help make the theme of your book super specific. I do not like these broad, basic type of simpleton books like Fundamentals of Personal Injury Law. Terrible, terrible book idea. Absolutely terrible book idea. What is much wiser is a mashup between your unique set of experiences, what else you know and understand besides your work in, let's say, personal injury. Phase two, talent stack analysis. Grab the Sharpies and Post-its, whiteboards and journals. Make a big old list of what makes you, well, you. Every credential, experience, client success story, random skill, the works. Look outside of the law too. You see where those strengths align with the in-demand topics you found. That overlap is your unique value proposition. That's your talent stack. What have your unique experiences taught you that your clients glean value from? And then look at this sort of Venn diagram overlap between what the market is saying they want and what you are uniquely able to provide. And that's the book. Phase three, book positioning. Take what you've learned in the first two steps and outline your book. Highlight that one-of-a-kind expertise that you have. Build up the reader's problem and cast yourself as the person to guide them through that problem. Remember, the first chapter is more than an introduction. The opening chapter of your book is a sales letter, not just for the book, but for your services. All right, everybody. I hope we've added a few more tools to your kit. For more about Joshua, head on over to the show notes. While you're there, leave a five-star review. I'll be forever grateful. Thanks for listening to Personal Injury Mastermind with me, Chris Stryer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. Catch you next time. I'm out.